0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am your co-host, Mike. Today on the show, we've got jumping right into it, aren't I? Well, <laughs> before I jump into who we've got on the show, appreciate everybody tuning in today. It has been a, uh, it's been warm lately here in Columbus, hasn't it? I mean, we've had a lot of thunderstorms. We're finally hitting that summer feeling and things are starting to open up. It's been an exciting time. Unfortunately, none of us here at Conquering Columbus won back some millions, <laughs> but uh, hopefully one of you out there was lucky enough to get it. If you haven't gotten your vaccine yet, go ahead and uh, get it. We've all got it here at Conqueror Columbus. We really want to just protect everybody around us and continue to. We want to stay open, right? We want to keep going. We want to stay open, and uh, getting vaccinated is the best way to do that. So, but today on the show. We've got Rick Snyder and Polly Clavijo joining us. And uh, Rick and Polly are from Revolution Group. Rick's the CEO over there, co-founder. And Polly is a co-founder as well as the VP and director of Salesforce Services. And uh, it was a great time talking with Rick and Polly. They've done a lot, you know, since starting in 1995. They've uh, built a consulting firm and, and taken it from, you know, something that is really technology-focused and expanded and continued to grow over time. And you can really tell there's a lot of trust there. And that 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 core founding team had a lot of trust in each other because they've built it into something really special. And they love helping local companies. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with Rick and Polly. We'll be right back.
1: This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams.
0: I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something.
1: We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before. Urban Meyer,
2: there's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that. Live uncomfortably. Donatos, Jane Abel.
3: We have an umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more
1: importantly, I believe in our people.
0: Pelotonia
1: CEO Doug Oldman.
0: There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in columbus and that's awesome at the same time there's this beautiful midwest humility people don't necessarily care about who gets credit cameron mitchell
1: of cameron mitchell restaurants
3: one of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today and that goal stays the same 24 7 365 this is conquering columbus
0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am your co-host Mike, and today I'm joined by Josh in the booth. Josh, what's going on?
3: Not much, man. I am recovering from my my first shot of Moderna, Moderna, however you pronounce it, from not yesterday but the day before, and uh, I finally feel like I'm I'm going to live. I was questioning it for a hot minute, <laughs> and I'm I'm on the road to recovery. So if I sound tired. That's because I'm usually tired on this mm-hmm. podcast, but right. now I actually have a legitimate reason. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. Well, it's good that you got your vaccine. You can get in on the Vax a Millions uh, lottery that's going on, and that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But, you know, they're giving Tell, away. tell
3: me how that works, because that is actually very Columbus relevant. So you just, you get you a vaccine. You have to sign up.
0: So there's a website. I think it's called Vax a Million. Uh, hold on. Let me double check the website so everybody can find it. It's ohiolottery.com backslash campaigns backslash vax a million. So yeah, there's ohiovaxamillion.com. That's where you got to go. And if you sign up there and you've had at least your first vaccine, you'll be entered to win a chance. Or you get a chance at a million dollars. It'll be every week, every Tuesday, I think it is, for like five weeks. So there's five drawings for a million dollars.
3: So they're going to give away five million dollars?
0: Yeah. And if you're a student, if you're younger than, if you're not an adult, if you're 18 or young, if you're younger than 18, you can actually sign up for a separate lottery that gives away a scholarship full ride scholarship for college, four years.
3: I still have student loans. Maybe I can reverse sign up. I
0: don't think you can reverse sign up, but that's completely separate. Yeah. So if you're vaccinated, go sign up. If you're not vaccinated, what are you doing? Go get vaccinated. With that, I think that's a good time to uh, introduce our guests for the show today. And that is Rick Snyde and Polly Clavijo. And Rick and Polly are joining us from Revolution Group, where Rick is a co-founder and serves as CEO. And Polly is a co-founder as well and she serves as VP and Director of Salesforce Services. And started in 1995, Revolution Group is a consulting firm dedicated to helping small and mid-sized businesses better use technology to improve business processes and achieve the competitive advantage that good technology can unlock. And we're really excited to talk today with Rick and Polly about how exactly Revolution Group goes about doing that, the story of Revolution Group, and more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus. Thanks for having us, Mike. Mike. Yeah, Rick Polly, it's great to have you here, and appreciate you coming down from Westerville to uh, join us
2: here in the Grand View uh, recording location. Beautiful day, we made it down here. We're both uh, fully vaccinated. Yeah. To your earlier comments, so we're mm-hmm. happy about that.
3: which ones did you choose to do?
2: The Moderna one.
3: Moderna. So I actually did my Moderna in Westerville too. Must be a big Westerville thing. Did you do Moderna as well?
4: No, mine was Pfizer.
2: Pfizer's the way to go. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. had the
3: Pfizer
0: one, mm. and it was uh, quite a bit. Uh, easier on the,
2: (laughs) on the body. I didn't, I didn't have nearly any symptoms. I had almost none. Yeah. None at all. I had zero on the first shot. Second one is a little worse.
3: See, so yeah, they have that correlation. Good on luck, whether, Josh. Whether you've had it or not. no, I, I think I'm supposed to be better on the second. Uh, and if if I'm not, then just don't tell me. Lie to me about it because how <laughs> I won't show up otherwise. But I think because I had it, I'm supposed to the, worst, the first. Was supposed to be the worst, and yeah, second one should be good. So. That's what I've heard. But obviously, I mean, they they can tell your voices, listeners can, because of Rick and Polly. Obviously, Rick, you were talking first. Polly's talking second. Um, and we're normally started just talking about background on. Uh, kind of a high-level milestone. Some people even talk about you know where they grew up and, and how their path progressed, but where do you go from and how does your career evolve? Maybe each one of you want to take a turn at giving us some background on that.
2: Sure. I've came to this role from kind of a, a weird path, but just always been interested in technology and um, always always knew that I wanted to be a part of a consulting group that was out helping businesses to enjoy what technology can do for you. And uh, I taught myself how to program, so I started out as a as a software developer, and just started down that path of being a software developer. Got into consulting. Was fortunate enough to meet my partner Polly here, who's um, just been you know a great partner for all these years. And um, at a, at another consulting company, so um, we could dig into that a little bit more. That was kind of a, a an interesting story, but. Basically, we worked together at that part, at that consulting company for about five years, six years, and that business was sold and so we took that as our opportunity. We had been planning anyway to start our own business, and we took that opportunity to say well this is this is when we get started. Um, we haven't looked back. well, we've looked back <laughs> we've looked back, but
3: not very often <laughs> not very often we haven't yeah. And when you say consulting, it's such a broad uh, thing of, of, uh, of tasks that can fall underneath that umbrella. What exactly were you guys consulting on? How did how did that company work?
4: So that company was, we worked together to implement uh, IBM business solutions, primarily in the manufacturing and distribution space. And so we would implement those solutions and then we would customize them or configure them to meet their customers' needs. So, Uh, It was about, you know, understanding business processes, understanding the technology, understanding their goals and having those systems work for them.
0: So did you work with uh, Maximo at all? IBM Maximo? No that's one we run into here sorry random yeah, random question but <laughs> FmX we run into Maximo at the higher end of the market so
2: it was more um mapix and if you've ever heard of that one mapix and dmas they were all products that IBM owned mm-hmm. long
4: before t- your time yeah 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 <laughs> it
2: was a long time ago mm-hmm. it was but yeah we had a great time though we really we really had a great time you could take that software and you could implement it, you could change it, mm-hmm. you could dig into it, you know, and get all the code that was behind it and and reprogram a bunch of it if you wanted to. You know, it's really a, a good time for businesses to, to start really utilizing technology.
0: And stepping back, Polly, what about you? So how, mm-hmm. how did you get into consulting and have you always lived Here in Ohio? So I
4: did. I grew up in Northeast Ohio, moved down here after college. So my path was also not a straight path, which I think is pretty typical, but um, I started in accounting. So Mm -hmm. I'm a CPA. My degree is in accounting. And so my first job was at a public accounting firm where I got great experience across a broad range of businesses and industries. And um, during that time, I went to work at that time for one of my customers and we implemented some systems, some manufacturing systems, financial systems. And I fell in love with consulting and went from there to the consulting firm that where Rick and I met. We started, I think, within a month of each other. And as Rick said, we worked together there for five years and really Had a lot of conversations about what makes a great consulting company, what we wanted a company to represent. Um, So, yeah, so my, again, you know, not a straight path, but I think that's pretty typical.
0: Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. You both start working together and you're talking about these concepts of like, what would a great consulting firm look like? When did you actually start to get that thought of, hey, we should actually do this. Let's, Let's jump ship.
4: Well, um, I think we started talking about it probably three or four years mm-hmm. in. It really came to reality when, as Rick said, that uh, consulting firm was sold to a competitor. And at that point in time, um, you know, we had a choice of whether to go there and work, um, but we really felt like that wasn't the right move for us together. Uh, and so, as Rick said, that opportunity just presented itself. The door opened, and so we started Revolution Group. Rick actually started first, um, and then very shortly after that, we kind of joined and incorporated very shortly after that. We started with one customer and added another when I joined and yep. just continued to yep. grow from there.
2: Yeah, we had, uh, when we had enough work that we could employ somebody, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that's when we joined forces. So what was it you both wanted to take away that you felt, and
0: I don't want to say wasn't getting done right, because I don't want to talk bad yeah. about other <laughs> consulting industries, but what was it that you felt needed to
2: be different about the way consulting was being done? I think the way consulting was was being presented at that time was um, really more uh, about pushing uh, a particular product and um, you a know, particular software package. And we really felt that for companies to maximize the promise that, you know, this technology had for them, they really needed someone who understood their business and could take that technology and help them with that technology and maybe modify that technology to help them, you know, really uh, get the value out of it. Because it was expensive. I mean, it's still expensive now. And, you know, we um, we just really felt that, in particular, the company that, that bought our old company we met their founders and all and, you know, good people and all, but just different values, you know, you know, really about the the hardware sales and the software sales, not about solving people's problems.
3: Okay. So as you begin to scale the company and you think about, all right, we got more work than we can handle. We got to bring in additional people. Did a lot of thought go into, you know, what are the right roles to bring people on at and, and when and where, or was it more just, Hey, like, if we can find good talent, we'll bring them on, and everything just really scaled organically.
2: Well, if you can imagine, it's hard, you know, to imagine back this far, maybe, but um, there was a time when, you know, there was really, uh, you know, a programming language that was, you know, the most popular. And that's not exactly true, but in this particular you know, IBM series that we that we specialized in, there was really one language. Right. And um, that was easy and that along those lines. So we knew exactly what skill set we wanted in terms of programming language. We just needed to figure out if they were a good culture fit for us, if they were, you know, had the same kind of drive and, and, and desire to help the customers. And typically we would find people and we would bring them on board, even if we didn't have work, knowing that they were that kind of a quality person. In the early years, we we mostly worked ourselves to the max and then found somebody, you know, to to
4: Mm -hmm. help. Yeah, and I think one thing that's a little different, again, as Rick says, this was many years ago, so... Um, in, current, in current philosophies, people talk a lot about company culture and what, how important that is, and, but it wasn't as popular um, mm-hmm. back then, but it has always been a big deal for us. And when you right. ask about what were the kinds of things we talked about wanting in a really great consulting firm— We started talking about that right from the beginning, that we wanted employees, as Rick said, that shared our values, that shared our goals for what it meant to provide good customer service. And I know that sounds very cliche these days, but it didn't back then. Mm -hmm. It wasn't back
3: then. So 26 years, if I'm doing my math right, or Mm -hmm. 26 years is a tremendous amount of time really for business, for one, to even stay alive that long. So- as you look over the course of that lifespan, like what, what are the major milestones, the ups and downs that really stick out to you? And curious to hear about both the the ups and the downs. Some people, uh, they'll focus on one or the other, you know, as, as you look through there, what is uh, most vivid in your memory?
2: The highlight reel, huh? <laughs> the <laughs> highlight reel with the, the, the low light reel. Yeah. yeah. Um, well I can start there. The, um, you know, first of all, um, the, the I tell everyone the reason why we're still here is because Polly's my partner. You know, she's been, you know, I've always been a, you know, kind of the, the dreamer person of the relationship, right? And Polly's been the rock of Gibraltar and making sure that the finances stayed straight. And uh, so I've always been able to count on her as a financial partner in addition to a very ethical partner. Um, so a lot of people don't have that. And that's, that's the main reason that businesses fail is partnerships fail and finances fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And I've fortunate, I've been fortunate and, and, you know, to have both of those, you know, in spades. So that's the first thing. We've had our ups and downs. We had, um, we did a really poor job at one point of trying to bring a couple of people on to that. We ultimately thought we would make them partners and it, it, it kind of fell apart and we had, done a poor job of not really putting a legal document together and it turned into a major lawsuit which you know drained uh, everything that we had at, at one point. And uh, you know, but we just kept working and climbing and mm-hmm. <laughs> we've been really fortunate to have uh, to find good people all the way along the way that, have, that are that a lot of them are still with us. We've got a, a number of people that have been with us for 10, 15 years. You know, and that's been an, a big part of our success.
4: Yeah, I would reiterate that, and you know, Rick always makes the comment about us being partners, but it really takes both of us. And you know, I am just as complimentary. We need, um, we need the vision, and Rick is great at that vision. Uh, And so I think we have complemented one another well, and that has allowed us to stay in business. You know, you need to surround yourself with people that have strengths different than you. Um, You know, Rick, pointed out one of the low points and some of the high points for us are, you know, for me, it's when we have employees that recommend other employees, and this happens all the time, that they'll say, this is an amazing place to work. You need to come work here. You know, those are highlights. When we have customers that recommend us to other prospects because they say these people have your back and they will make sure that you have the best solutions possible. So again, those are just maybe not concrete highlights, but those are the things that keep us going day in and day out and say, and affirm the fact that we're doing things in the right way.
2: If you're familiar with the NPS score Mm -hmm. model, right? Our normal customer survey NPS score that we do we have it rolling throughout the, throughout the year is in the nineties. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. I think Apple's somewhere in the seventies. Yeah. So yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. solid NPS yeah. score. Um,
0: For those of you who don't know out there, an NPS is a net promoter score and you'd say question on a scale of one to 10, would you recommend FMX to someone else? Right. Yeah. Or would you recommend this company to someone else? Right. And people who rate, I think it's 8 through 10, are, what do you call, promoters? Nine, 9 and 9 and 10 are promoters. And then 6 and below are detractors. 6 and below are detractors, and you take your promoters minus your detractors. That gets you your NPS score.
2: So 90's high. So, hot. so the, worst, <laughs> the worst score is a negative 100. Right. The best 100, score 100 100% is a positive 100. Like 100% 100. detractors, yeah. whereas 100 is
0: 100% promoters. So 90's a very good score. I want to take a moment to talk about what's going on today with Revolution Group, but I have one last question on kind of the past and the growth. So 26 years, a lot has changed from one coding language to quite a few today and scaling of the team and all of these things that had to change, right? You had to, so obviously you had to keep a pace of technology. You had to bring on new team members. You had to scale the team scale, but continue to provide the same service and the culture. How have you managed that growth and how have you managed to maintain that culture while still pushing that pace on growth and, pushing for, you know, the, the results you're looking for.
4: So we've always pushed growth, but I will say that we have always tempered that mm-hmm. a little bit that um, we want to hire the right people. And so we have had times, you know, at, many of your listeners or you all may not remember the whole Y2K era. <laughs> um, you toilet know. paper it's in the history
0: yeah. book. Why is it yeah, always toilet it paper? It's always toilet paper right. that goes off the shelves first. But. Yeah.
4: So, you know, at that time, you know, we had the opportunity. We could have hired 50 people and probably had enough work to do, but... Now, we always tempered that with we need the right people and we want this to be sustainable. So, you know, to your to your point about, you know, how have we maintained culture? Um, the other part is that we just always it's always at the forefront. And, you know, I don't want to give the impression that we have always done it perfectly. We haven't. We have made as many mistakes and all the mistakes that you read about. We've made all of those as well. Um but we learn from them and we don't make too many of them. We we learn pretty quickly.
2: <laughs> the fatal ones. Right. right.
4: But, you know, we keep that stuff at the at the forefront mm-hmm. as we're growing. And, you know, as Rick said, we, we try to pay attention to finances and really make sure that we can sustain what we're doing.
2: So one thing I think that we've done well throughout time, for better or worse, I suppose, is we've always had close to an open book policy of how the company's doing. So we've had for the entire company's life, we've had regular, sometimes it, for our time period, it was quarterly, but for almost our entire history, we've had a monthly all hands meeting where we put all the finances up on the wall and let everybody see here's where we are, here's where we're going, here's what we need to be doing. And uh, so we've always been big, big believers in trying to make sure people understood where we really are, because I think people tend to assume the worst if they don't have good information. So we've been, we've, I think we've done a good job at that. You know, one of the things that's things that's really different now, um, you know, to your question is that we've had to change our method of finding people and staffing people. In a a more and more specialized way, Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, when Polly and I first started the business, we literally would, you know, do the consulting, you know, strategic conversations with customers. We turn around and turn that into computer programs. We do the training of the users, you know, we could put in email servers and web servers and, you know, we could do wiring even if we needed to. Right. And, um, you know, now, like to your point, uh, you know, there's so many programming languages and so many, so many things to know. And it's so technical that nobody can be a generalist anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, we, so what we've done really is build teams of specialists and we've tried to build teams of tiers of ability so that we have some career path for people to, to grow.
0: We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett family foundation. The Burlett family foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode.
3: So that that's a good uh, dovetail into where we're at today in terms of team structure, product and service offerings. Like what does Revolution Group look like right now?
2: So we uh, we are today three divisions. Our first division is our technical services division, which focuses on being the IT department for small and mid-sized businesses. So we do we've got a call center, we do twenty four seven support. You know, we do project management and we do full CIO services for lots of companies. So that's what our technical services division is. Um, you mentioned Polly is the the uh, the director of our Salesforce services group. So that's a, a, another um, big group of ours that's doing straight Salesforce consulting, which is implementing Salesforce, which I'm sure everybody's heard of now. Um, so, we implement Salesforce. We do a lot of modifications, a lot of integrations with other systems. We've got a we've got a lot of consultants that are really good in Salesforce uh, implementing Salesforce. and then we actually have a, a a number of people that are hardcore developers for Salesforce. So we do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then we've got another division, which is our ERP uh, services division, which, focuses on implementing ma- manufacturing software for manufacturers around the world, primarily North America, Canada, Mexico, but around the world. And um, that's really our oldest group. That's really where Polly and I started, as we mentioned, as in the ERP services.
0: Right, is that like SAP today or? Yeah,
2: yeah so SAP and? Yeah, we don't do SAP, but that's a good example. Similar, right, mm-hmm. similar programs. Right, right, mm-hmm. right,
4: we do a, it's called Plex Manufacturing Cloud. So it's a cloud-based, mm-hmm. we're, we're very cloud-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, And we have been for a good number of years. So
2: yeah, Yeah, but yeah, it's like out of mm -hmm. of Michigan.
3: Mm -hmm. And what about in terms of, I mean, you do all these consulting projects and you understand uh, the real problems and you talk about solution, providing solutions inside of these businesses. Have you ever thought about developing any of your own software products or, or really putting something out there that's, that's Revolution Group created and branded? So
4: we have, and in particular in the Salesforce group, We do have some products and uh, the Salesforce ecosystem makes it easier than some other spaces to actually develop some of those add-ons. You know, the nice part about Salesforce is that they are very innovative and they are, they continually are upgrading, but there are some niche products. And so we actually have several in the works right now that we're talking about developing and that gets easier and easier as we grow. And as Rick said, as we have, you know, a few more specialists where we can focus some time on developing those products. It takes a little bit different skill to actually develop a product and manage a product and support a product uh, through that entire life cycle than it does to implement and modify. And so we're trying to build our muscles there and maybe start, you know, with just a couple different packages.
2: So we've built a number of custom solutions for customers that in some cases we have turned around and commercialized them. But as you guys know, there's a lot of extra work that goes into trying to make a package something that more than one company can use, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, the flexibility that you have to build in is exponential, really, you know, in, in the workload. So we do have a number of them in the works right now. and We've got a couple that are, that we also offer that aren't, that are, that are kind of specific solutions to it.
4: Right. And we actually do have uh two products in that manufacturing ERP space, again, you know, that fill a particular niche and a need um, in that space. So we do have products there.
3: So all the businesses that you guys work with, are there any commonalities and maybe it's in certain pockets or groups amongst the companies that you notice like like a gap in in their technological uh, position today versus where they're trying to get to and has COVID affected that at all? Like um, what insights do you guys get from being hands-on in these very interesting areas of the business?
2: Yeah, we could go for a couple of hours on this topic probably. <laughs> in a broad sense, the biggest gap I would say is that companies are currently, you know, have been consuming lots and lots of different software applications and different ways of doing things and they don't have a good comprehensive solution of how to run the business and they don't have a good suite of products that are well integrated that, you know, to enable their collaboration between teams and communication with customers and data, you know, uh, sharing with customers and et cetera, et cetera. So there's a big gap, I think in, you know, what I mentioned as ERP kind of solutions, right? If people having a comprehensive solution to run the business, and there's a big gap in collaboration, you know, some, Young startup companies, I think, probably do a pretty good job with collaboration using Slack or something like that. But you know, the majority of businesses that are that we see are really just starting to dip their toes into collaboration tools and project management tools and those. And then again, you start having these kind of silos of applications and silos of data. So that's a big that's a big thing. I think the um, I think security is a big gap that we see out there. People, I hope, like seeing the recent uh, cyber attacks. Um, I hope people are starting to get serious about security. But people tend to take this. Businesses tend to s- sort of push this off as it's not going to happen to me. You know, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about it right now. But the reality is. You shouldn't be managing your own security, you know. Now you should have a managed IT solution, a company that provides managed security solutions to you, like we do. There's plenty of companies that do that, you know. But similar to how you, you wouldn't do your payroll anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just too risky to do your own payroll, and it's expensive to do it yourself, and you're probably not going to do it right, you know. And I, I think there's a lot of things that way. If it's not your core business, you need to get out of it, especially security. So yeah, I could I could probably go for a while on that, but you know, with COVID, we've seen a lot of customers that we really need to start. Well, they've they've jumped into trying to figure out how to work remotely, and they've jumped into you know what are all the tools that I need to to do that to connect and get to what I need. What are the tools that I need to work with my teams? Have my teams help each other out? So um, we've seen a lot of struggling in that in that way.
4: Mm -hmm. We have, um, you ask about challenges and gaps, and there are commonalities across all companies of all sizes, but we see a little bit different versions of those challenges, depending on whether we're talking about some of our smaller customers, some of our mid-sized companies, larger organizations. We tend to do a lot of work in that, you know, mid-sized 200 to 500 employees. We have you know, customers across that whole range, but um, as Rick talks about those collaboration tools, and I think COVID just brought that front and center And in our, mm-hmm. in our ERP space and in our Salesforce space, we were fortunate because those tools actually do offer some of that functionality. And so right. it was, we were able to jump in and really right away help some of those companies find those tools and you know in our infrastructure group tools like team microsoft teams and some other things where we can help them find the right solution that fits their organizations to do that collaboration and many of them had to spin that up pretty quickly and start doing it pretty quickly. So um, so that is a big challenge, but I think it's actually been good for most of those companies in the long run. I and mean, we've all heard that. And I think we've seen that. That's true.
2: Yeah. That's definitely true. Yeah, I think we were, we were fortunate that we've always pushed the envelope on what technologies there are out there that businesses should be using. And we were already pushing quite hard on, you know, all of these kinds of technologies. So it was no big deal for us at all to go 100% remote. But that's not the case for most customers. Most customers didn't have, you know, good equipment for people to pick up and take home. And all of a sudden you couldn't get it, Mm -hmm. right? Because of the supply chain constrictions, you know, you couldn't, Best Buy was sold out, you know, Costco's sold out, you know, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Right. That's one of those things I never thought of is, you know, working in a startup, like everybody just uses their laptops. We don't have... Nobody uses a desktop computer at our company. So right. very easy to just kind of pick up, okay, yep, not in the office today. right? Um, but, you know, at previous jobs I've worked at where I was, you know, I had a desktop at work that that was the only way I could get to my stuff. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would be
2: quite a bit more difficult. Yeah, and we've had, I I, I think we have haven't bought anything but laptops for probably seven, eight years at least. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were, we were already ready. We had docking stations and everybody had laptops, you know, phones were easy to transfer. Yeah, we were, were fortunate. JME Hospitality, your hospitality design partner.
1: JME Hospitality works with food service facility owners, operators, and development pros to improve the overall efficiency of customer experience and the profitability of customer operations. JME has been consulting in the hospitality operations space for over 45 years, providing solutions for schools and universities, healthcare institutions, hotels, resorts, and more. They also have extensive experience working within the design, construction, and manufacturing sectors. JME specializes in helping with a variety of different problems, including the COVID effect, redesigning the customer experience to protect their clients and the public during the pandemic. JME is passionate about serving the community you live in. They're doing this by supporting cancer research as well as youth outreach. And JME is offering a free consultation to all Conquering Columbus listeners. Just visit jmehospitality.com. That's jmehospitality.com. And mention the Conquering Columbus podcast to receive your free consultation.
0: So something we never touched on is why the focus on small to mid-sized businesses. Is it from your experience before, like, is that who you, you were familiar with or was there another reason for for focusing in on small to mid-sized businesses?
4: So, you know, again, we kind of serve the whole range. Um, what we like about some of the mid-sized businesses and even our larger businesses is that we want to be engaged with decision makers and we, we want to help. Really have an impact on their business, and so I think because we have people that are, you know, all of our employees, and they're so engaged and they're interested in business processes, and we want to be communicating in that level and solving problems at that level, and I think it's more accessible, and you know, we can provide more value, uh, or and and see some of that value directly in that size. Rick, would you add it's to that? It's just
2: more fun. You know, it's just more fun. You know, we, we've always been about, you know, we've always been excited about the technology and the new tools and the new features and functions and being able to communicate that excitement to someone who gets that excitement and can see how that, tool can help them and understand when we're explaining to them, no, you really need this. This is what you can, this is what you can do with your sales team. If you implement this module of Salesforce, right. You know, take our word for it, (laughs) you know, yeah, I got to try it. I mean, that's a big piece of it. And, you know, our smaller customers are typically, you know, in that, let's say 20 to 50 employee kind of customers, they you know, we're really um, their backbone for their IT, Mm -hmm. you know, for their IT needs, right? In some cases that kind of spins up and, you know, we need to do, you know, a new building or whatever, right, to help them. But a lot of times it's just, you know, the 24 seven support to to keep them running. But even in all those cases, we want to work with somebody that is excited about the technology and is excited about, you know, being able to do something to change the business positively.
4: Right. And and it's not necessarily just being excited about the technology for the sake of it. It's that they really see the value that mm-hmm. technology can bring to their businesses. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's where, you know, they get excited about it. We get excited. They can make decisions. You know, we don't have to, we can present ideas to them and they can make decisions relatively quickly as opposed to going through seven layers of red tape. And so, yeah, it's about seeing that value in what we can bring.
3: What about in terms of like when you eventually want to step away from the business? Have you thought at all about like succession planning or what life after? Um, you two will be like and how that will affect the business?
2: Well, we've talked about it a little bit, you know, recently there um, we both have kids that are pretty much full grown now. And, you know, so we've, we've talked about it. We don't have any firm plans, but we know we're still both enjoying what Mm -hmm. we're doing. And, you know, we still, you know, we still have a lot of people that I think are enjoying what we're doing. And, we are consciously building, you know, succession, you know, uh, paths of people that are there right now. And that doesn't really answer the question of how far do we step away and do we sell it to the employees? You know what that all entails. But we're going to figure that out over the next probably four or five years.
4: I would say we are where we are making conscious choices is regardless, you know, as our roles need to change, you know, you just don't flip a switch at that point in time. So Mm -hmm. we are, as Rick said, we're making conscious choices about building leaders within our organization. And we've always done that, but we're growing. And so it makes it a lot easier to talk to people about that and make some um, more conscious choices around that.
2: Yeah. You know, good people are always going to be interested in growing and taking on more and more leadership positions. So we have a, we've got a number of people that I think are interested in moving into higher and higher positions.
0: Hey everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Hybeck. It's actually just me and Tim in the booth because well, Josh is on his way over to the restaurant right now, so unluckily for us, we don't get any special treatment. I don't think he's bringing us back a pizza. I don't think so. I'm a little jealous. We love Hybeck. I mean, I go there all the time their hot honey pizza they got going right now. Yep. That's and what I was going to say. Is, as soon oh. as we had them on the episode, I called in before they even left and ordered it and picked it up on the way out. And it was the best. We're talking about the restaurant, but High Bank's a lot more than just a restaurant. They just still whiskey and gin and vodka. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, they brought in a couple of different options for us to try recently. And I really liked this Midnight Cask. It's a mixture, I think, of whiskey along with a port wine. And it kind of tastes like a Manhattan, but it's like double the strength. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, listen to the episode. I mean, the story behind the organization is great too. So yeah, it's a bunch of local entrepreneurs that just have a passion for making good food and great drinks. They just launched a thing called the Whiskey Society too, which I joined. Mm-hmm. And if you really like booze, it's worth checking out. It pays for itself just in the entry fee, and then you'll get cards for drinks every month. They put on events. Right now they're on Zoom, but teach you how to make drinks, tell you what to use, why you use those things. It's definitely for the whiskey enthusiast. I've enjoyed my membership so far. That's for sure. So if you guys like manka if you're looking for a restaurant. Somewhere to watch the game. If you're looking to put in an order for a pickup, check out High Bank, man. Their food's great. They're great people. Yeah. And we love their drinks. And get the hot honey pizza. Get the hot honey pizza. I promise you will love it. All right. Now back to the show. This is probably a good place to kind of head towards some of our last questions of the show. And then the first one is, you know, do you have any advice for our listeners? And a lot of them out there are people who follow the, the business world in Columbus, entrepreneurs, people who might want to be entrepreneurs, young professionals, but... You've both kind of gone and done, you know, the job thing, and then started a business. So, any thoughts, any advice for them out there?
4: Mine is: I pretty much always give the same short and sweet advice to entrepreneurs. Cash is queen, and culture matters. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's easy to say those things; it's much harder to live them. But as mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, we've talked about it. You know, we really do have to um, manage cash flow and. Um, be conscious of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also culture just makes such a difference. Um, It makes a difference in the kind of people that you have and the customer service you can provide. And it makes a difference in how much fun you have in your own business um, with working with the kind of people that you want to work with.
2: So... Right. You know, depending on what your ultimate goal is, the advice that I would give, especially entrepreneurs, but really anybody, is find a good mentor. You know, I didn't do a good job of that when I was younger. I thought I was, you know, I guess I thought I was smart enough that I didn't need one, or I don't know, if we were just working, you know, so many hours, I didn't think about that. But if I could do it over again, I'd find a, a good mentor early on. I would also, especially for um people that are that actually are startups and starting new businesses. There's lots of good resources for that. I'm very involved in the Entrepreneurs Organization here in Columbus and there's different levels of that. There's a startup level and there's a more mature business level of that. Um, you should belong to some kind of peer business peer group that can help you grow both in your business operations and in your leadership development, your own personal leadership development. And then of course that flows down to your, your team as you build your team. So um, I, I, I can't recommend that highly enough. And our last
0: question of the show is uh, centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus. And that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you both why we chose that particular phrase for a show about entrepreneurs and business owners, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your lives and careers?
2: Well, you know, I think when I hear it, I think about, first of all, personally, how I, how I live, which has been pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, we've, we've, uh, we've pushed really hard, you know, and I've pushed really hard personally. I, I believe in pushing myself physically, you know, really hard. And I believe that um, pushing yourself mentally, you know, intellectually really hard is super important. I just think that that underpins you know how you see the world and how you see challenges in the world. I've been fortunate as I said earlier here that you know to have Polly as you know someone who can take my crazy ideas and not not let us go completely underwater and be passionate about the idea right along with me but you have to be able to take risks you know and you have to be able to Polly and I have said this from the very beginning. Our philosophy is not ready, aim, aim, aim. Our philosophy is ready, fire, aim sometimes, right? right. And, you know, we just, we just believe that, you know, if you keep the scrappy startup kind of mentality of we're just going to figure it out, we're going to keep going, we're not going to overanalyze it, you're always going to be a little uncomfortable in that way. But I think that kind of uncomfortableness is, is positive and i think that's i think that's how we've done well
4: you no know, this is a place where again rick and i really are good together we share the same philosophy on that from challenge you know finding physical challenges constantly learning new things in our personal lives and i would say part of that for us for me in our business is be constantly open to new ideas even if they don't seem like exactly something that you might think of, or um, they'll be open to learning from everyone and you know live uncomfortably with new ideas and new ways of doing things. And as Rick said, just jump in and do it and you know you'll learn things, you will hit new milestones along the way. You'll be surprised at how far you can get if you just lean into some of those open-minded, ways of thinking and doing things and challenging yourself
0: great answers and both of you thanks so much for joining us rick polly it's been great having you on the show we appreciate you taking the time to come down here and chat with us all right thanks thank you for having us Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in if you enjoyed that interview you want to hear more just like it every week go ahead and hit that subscribe button we release our episodes every monday appreciate all your support we'll talk to you next week